0: Sam Roberts on another Bedford Blues away trip and I'm especially pleased to be joined by a man who's uh, become a little bit of a hero over the last few years for Bedford Blues and uh, he he laughs uh, (laughs) self-effacingly at that uh, but he has been uh, a real uh, pick of the Bedford Blues players over the last few years and I'm absolutely delighted to have our back row forward Gregor Galanders with me on this away trip. Uh, we're going to discover, Gregor, all about you. We're also going to discover about your musical tastes. Music was it a big thing for you in your life? Is it is it something that you go to a lot? It's. I've always got to think. I'll listen to anything in
1: music, and um, I won't ever really have an album because I might like one song, and then I won't like another one. So I listen to bits of music, which means my my music taste is is um, quite broad. Um, some of it's horrendous and some of it might be quite acceptable, but I say different different points of my life. And it also depends on, like anybody, on a mood I'm in, that I might listen to one thing if I'm in a particular kind of mood and the next morning feel a bit, bit different and listen to something else.
0: So what are you saying? The boys don't put you in charge of the ghetto blaster in the uh, in the team room? I don't often get my, uh, my iPod on.
1: I've been using it in the gym lately, but we have some...
0: Um some interesting songs coming out on that, and I have to hide a lot of what is possibly on my iPhone at the moment. So, Well, good. It's very, very good to have you on our way, Trip. Um, I think you know the process, and, and we'll start, to a certain extent, um, with a nice broad question, uh, in a sense. Um, rugby. Um, did, did you ever think, when you were a little wee lad, did you ever think it would end up like this? Has it always been something that's been on your mind? No. Um, I mean, I started off... and. I moved down to England when I was seven,
1: up from Scotland, and we lived on the east coast of Scotland, and that's where I grew up, where I'm from, and my dad and my, my grandparents always always came from rugby, so I was always going to play rugby, but as a, in terms of a career, um, I don't really think so. It was something that people don't actually know, and it's not something I would really tell people, and it's not a big deal, but my um, my grandpa actually would have played, most likely for Scotland at one point, had a little thing called the war not come up, but um yeah, so that's, that's kind of my background, and then I was always going to play, and um, my dad always played, and it was just always going to happen really for me, but as I say, with a career, I don't think so. Um, nobody ever starts to think about that until you maybe you know, start going
0: to academies and training at a higher level. So We'll explore that a little bit further, but let's take it all the way back. Your date of birth, when did you enter this world? The 12th of the 4th, 1988 and uh a bouncing baby boy, anything to remark on your journey into the world? I was the second baby, so uh the the hype around the first child had already happened.
1: <laughs> my brother eighteen months was was there I don't think was too happy I came along but um, yeah we um I think the story is we we just my parents were in the process of moving house as I was born, so that was interesting and then um yeah, my sisters came along uh, two years after that, and uh middle child i think speaks for itself, really. So, big family then? With well, There's six of us in my family, um, sort of a direct family, and then obviously my uh, my dad has a brother and sister, and my mum has a brother and sister, and they've got sort of a couple of kids, and so we've got cousins each, but um, we've always, in terms of closeness, we we're really close as a, as a direct family, and with my grandparents and that kind of thing, and then moving down to England, obviously brought us a little bit closer together uh, in terms of the six of us and then trying to get back up to see our um, our grandparents and all the the rest of the
0: family became quite a big occasion to make sure we we kept in touch really must have been quite good fun then I can imagine with that amount of cousins and brothers and sisters there was a fair amount to get up to
1: yeah well, they'll say that we maybe may not spent as much time as we should have with our cousins we a couple of them moving away and, and that kind of thing but our immediate well, me and my my brother and my two sisters um, we've got a mischief in our in our time and, uh, yeah we we have some fun, and we always get on we got on well now and
0: and hopefully we always will so and how did sport play a part? Was it something that you always looked to do out in the back garden? There was yes. never a ball too far away
1: yeah we uh, me and my brother especially and and um, my sisters well, all of us we we played everything um, when I grew up we we were the cricket team, we played athletics at school, basketball uh, my brother plays hockey to quite a good level and um, did football, obviously then came into the rugby. But one of the big things that my parents looked at when we moved down to England was uh, we got quite a big garden uh, where we lived, which was a good criteria because we just wanted to be outside and play. I mean, we'd spend on a Saturday, I'd get a couple of friends from school and we'd, we'd spend four or five hours just playing one game in the back garden and just making stuff up, which is, is great. I just love being outside. Uh, I never wanted to sit inside and, and do that kind of thing, just get out and kick a ball around or, or make something up, really.
0: And when did rugby... Can you remember your first game of rugby? I remember my first training session. Yeah. Um, I, the way it worked with my school was
1: I was in... Um, I went to a Church of England school, so... Up to that point I was heavily into church on the Sundays, and obviously youth rugby is, is Sunday, so I wasn't able to do as much as I would have liked. So I started junior rugby when I was 11, just started school, turned up for the first session, did all right, and... Um, Sort of the big lad, the, the captain, as it were, at that time, commented that he was ridiculous. I'd never played rugby before. He didn't believe me that I, I had never had. So, but that's—I mean, I, I'd always played. I mean, half time we used to watch all the Six Nations games or Five Nations, as it was then. And at half time we'd go out and, and kick a ball around just because got sort of the, the vibe from it and the, got bitten by the bug. But that was my first training session. Don't remember my first game though, unfortunately.
0: And you mentioned there—I mean—heroes always a big part of it. Who was it on the telly that, that, that you wanted to be running around? I wanted to be a fullback. Oh, okay. I wanted to be um,
1: obviously Scottish background. I wanted to be Gavin Henson. Um, yeah. Not Gavin Henson, Gavin Hastings. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I will edit that bit. Yeah, I'll just say yeah, uh, Gavin Hastings. Gar- Hastings. Um, yeah, so I grew up watching him and then it, it progressed a little bit when I knew you was, I was more of a forward. Uh, Simon Taylor was a sort of big influence for me and then you've got all the guys like Zinzan Brook was a big name, I remember. Um, when I grew
0: up you just said then when I knew I was a forward when did that happen?
1: when I started playing rugby <laughs> <When> <laughs> and, what,
0: and, what, and what conclusion and how quickly little, did that conclusion I was conclusion... a little bit taller than, okay. than a few
1: people so it was right okay. you you're a second row straight away there. <laughs> uh, it was always yeah. You, you, everybody wants to be a fullback or a fly half or a centre when they're growing up and then so, if you turn up to your first training session, then they, they put you in a, in a position, and that's how it goes. And to be honest, I, mean, I get a lot of stick for the way I am not a stick, but a lot of banter for the way I play. And I'm more happy with the ball in my hands and not the nitty gritty stuff. And I like doing that, but it's, I just want to play rugby, really. I mean, there's, there's stuff where maybe it gets a bit boring and it's wet and cold. And I want to play where we can throw the ball around, which is why I love playing at this club, really.
0: So you, you talk about your formative years in rugby. How how did that sort of pan itself out? Do you do you remember sort of allegiance to to a, a mini rugby club and, and it go through there? Or was was school play any part um, in rugby?
1: School school played a reasonable part. We weren't a big rugby school. Um, my my teacher, Mister Young, who was our sort of rugby coach as it were, he was a big influence. He helped quite a bit. But my major my major club was Kidworth at the time. It's in my local town of Market Harbour. It's actually called Market Harbour now. They changed the name, but to me, it's always Kidworth. And we we went down there. Me and my brother both played. My dad played for the Vets before he um, decided his knees weren't good enough. And that's where I went through from the age of under under twelve. It must have been up to um, play for the Colts team, and then moved on from there.
0: There must have been a point at which, though, there was a, there was a shift. There was a, there was a moment at which you people around you started to say. You're quite good. Come on, you mm-hmm. know, pu- push yourself into this or yeah. That.
1: We um, it was always you come through the academy stuff, not this. Stuff, the, the county stuff and the um, we went through. I went to Midlands when I was 16 and, and played for them. Didn't make the England squad that year, um, and that's when from that on the back of that, I then got invited to train with the EPDGs at at Leicester, and that's when it kind of it started to become more of a, a thought in my mind that maybe. Club rugby was not as far as I could go. I could go a little bit further and, and push on and, and try and get to a higher level, as it were. I Maybe mean, they're still not thinking of a career at that point, but training with um, sort of better people and, and better, better situations,
0: really. And the names in that group, there must have been a fair few people that you now continue uh, to play against, and not Yeah,
1: with. I mean, uh, the one thing I like at the moment is, especially in, in our league in the championship. I don't think there's a club at the moment where I don't know, even from playing against or playing with one of their players, at least one of their players. And there's quite a few where there's a couple of people, which I really like. And a lot of those guys were the guys I grew up playing with. Um, As they coming through those, those academy, there's a coach, uh, me, county systems and ambulance systems, and then into the EPDGs at Leicester, you meet so many different people. And some of them are not playing to. Um, to where their potential maybe brought them up to, and that's just personal choices. But some of them have, have gone on, and I say I came through the year I was in uh, the academy system at Leicester is Ben Youngs was the year, year below me, and he's now obviously
0: sort of one of the top scrum halves in the country, if not the world. Let's talk about music. First piece of music. The idea being that you're on an away trip. And you can take three songs with you on this on this iPod. It's a bit of a dodgy iPod, in so much <laughs> as they only take three songs. But I want I want to hear from you your first choice. What what, what song would it be that you would you would perhaps um, you would perhaps look to first? My
1: well, first one's easy. It's um, Oasis Wonderwall. That's it's something. It was a big song when we grew up, and I've got a couple of memories of that. Where the first one was our oh, year eleven results day. It was a big day. You all going to school, and then obviously there's a Bit of merriment in the evening as it were obviously all done above board and Completely. i remember being in um sort of one of the bars of the clubs back uh, where i went to school and being downstairs in a kind of a little basement room that they used and it basically was our whole year in there and this song came on and everybody's on the dance floor just singing along and it's just one of the happiest times of it being just because we were young and we were just enjoying ourselves and um so this song reminds me of that, and then another time we were, I think it was a New Year's party, um, back at my parents' house, and there's maybe sort of 20 of us stood around in my parents' kitchen, and this song came on at midnight, and obviously you had this, the, the normal um, old Lang Syne that we all sang to, and then one of the guys put this on, and again, stood in the middle of the, the kitchen, big group of people just singing along, and really enjoying themselves. So.
0: Backbeat, the word is on the street, that the fire in your heart is out. Bigger, wasn't he Liam Gallagher? There's, yeah. there's, there's something about the the arrogance there that that kind of, in a funny sort of way, you love to hate about him. Yeah,
1: well, that's the thing. He's he's the kind of guy that I would say I'm not big into my music, but that kind of thing. He was just there and he was making music and he didn't care what people thought. Um, and it's the easy choice for people picking that song because it's it's Oasis, it's, it's a big band, but. It gives me those kind of memories. So.
0: Cheesy though it may be, this segue, we move from one icon perhaps to, to another in a different. In the rugby world, the, the icon name of, of Leicester Tigers, and, mm-hmm. and, and how did they start to sort of position themselves in your life? <laughs> this is not embarrassing as such, but my mum actually
1: got in touch with them um, oh, after right. I'd, I'd been picked for the Midlands and said, look, this is my son, and we sent up a, a kind of. A bio of me and they then invited me to come up and train um, once a week on their Thursday nights and in their EPGGs and then it kind of progressed from there. Which so, is not, a lot, not a lot of people know that that my mum got me into Leicester. So, that's, uh, so you, owe, you owe everything owe to your I owe everything mother. to my mother. Actually <laughs> and, and on a side note I owe everything to my mum and my dad because of the way they, they looked after us. I said earlier that me and my brother and my sisters played everything when we were younger and that included my parents for one paying for it and for two getting us to, to and from everything we did. My dad used to travel on a Saturday morning. He'd take me an hour and a half to Birmingham for an hour of training session, wait around and then drive me an hour and a half back. And nothing was ever said. He just accepted that's what he was done. And um, I can't ever thank them
0: enough for that. But arriving at Leicester Tigers, it must have been... You must have been looking around occasionally and just sort of... Um... Pinching myself and sort of realizing that that this was this was very serious. Yeah, I well, mean, you, you go to these clubs and there's guys like Martin Johnson
1: walking around, and there's there's all these big names walking, and you see them. And as a young guy on a Thursday night, you see them, and that's a big deal. But it was also the the guys of my age and maybe a year or two older that I was then training with. That I'd gone through club rugby and county rugby and Midlands rugby, and these were the big guys that were always there. They were always in the squads. They were the best of the guys. And I'd suddenly I was training with them,
0: which was was great for me. It was just um, another new experience, really. Was it a difficult time adjusting, or did you feel it was always something that you were you were happy doing? Was there any crisis nights where you put your head in your hands and go, "Crums, you know, this is is this me?" Yeah, there's the other occasion where you think, "Oh, I might, I might be out of my depth here," but that's
1: only for a little split second where maybe you make a mistake and you feel that everybody's then judging you from that. But I said you can't do that in a rugby environment, so you quickly learn that mistakes happen and, and things go on, and you just got to. Deal with it, enjoy yourself and, and improve and move
0: forward. Were there any key coaches in there that, that you yes. still sort of think about and uh, well, hear them saying things
1: yeah, to you? I, I, I sadly can't remember. Some of them, a lot of them were, were a great help, but um, one of the guys was there, it was called Mike Penniston. He was a great coach. I think he's, he now went across to Australia and he's, he's working out there, but he was one of these guys that just wanted to help young guys train and play. And then um, moving forward, we had Andy Key. Obviously a lot of people down here know him. He's one of the greatest coaches I've worked with because he just just helped. He was there and knew what he was talking about and could could work from there. Um, guys like Neil Back coming down, it's Neil Back, so you listen to what he says, you do what he says because he knows what he's talking about and he's got that experience. So uh, that that's the kind of thing where that's where it changes in a rugby environment. Um, but the coaches I had at my club were great and they knew what they're doing it was great to have them there. Um, guys like Tim Bale and Rob Jacob, Phil Jarvis was a major part of of my club rugby because he came and helped us we didn't really have many coaches and didn't have the the time and his son was quite a few years below me but instead of going to his son's age group and helping he came and worked with us and he was a big influence on me but I say you go up to these guys they're professional coaches and your learning curve just just goes massively through the roof
0: you talked about that environment at, at Leicester and 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 how it must have been um pretty sort of <coughs> intense um, how did it play itself out on a sort of weekly to monthly to yearly basis? How how did you foresee what was going to happen with you, and and and, and how did you navigate that? Well, the first year, as I said, I I was training there I think once a week
1: in my what was year eleven year, so that worked quite well with school, and then going into my sixth form, I basically went and sat down with all my teachers and said, look, I've got this opportunity with rugby. Um, it's something I really want to do. And we worked out a schedule where my lessons and I was missing, I'd left school four days a week at lunchtime. So I was missing double periods in the afternoon and quite a few lessons. And they were all fine with that because I kept up with the work and that then allowed me to get up to train and do my weights and everything, which worked really well. And then it came to sort of the UCAS process. We're going through university and I applied through all that, got all my, got everything in, got offers from places. And then it came to the crunch time where I was making a decision well and chatted to all the major teachers that were sort of big influencers and just really laid out what I wanted to do and it became pretty clear that really you've got to give rugby a go, and that's what I wanted to do, is what I still want to do now. So we sat down and said, look, well, I can go to uni at any time or I can study elsewhere, I don't have to go to uni at all. Um, and rugby then sort of started to take over and uh, say so it worked really well through school that I was able to do both.
0: Is there any part of you, perhaps your friends have gone on to go and do other things, ever a moment where you think oh well I might have or has it always been that focus and do you need that subsequent focus yeah you need the focus but you also need something outside I mean I'm
1: studying at the moment doing a a sort of home learning degree and there is people ask me all the time there is times when I think I miss I miss the stories that some people talk about and I miss and I missed out on making a a massive group of friends from university and the experiences you have, because that's what I've seemed to have learned from some of the guys here and my brother and and friends like that, that the experience that you get from uni is is more than anything else you get from there is great. But in the same respect, the experience I've got from rugby in the last five years is, I can't compare that to anything and made friends here that I'll keep for life. And yeah, I would never say I've regretted, no, I, I never regret the choice I made. And I absolutely want, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah, every now and again, you think, What if I'd taken the other path? But I'm so happy with what I've done that it doesn't really matter to me.
0: And just as a, a theory, as a sort of hypothesis, what would you have become if you hadn't been a well Well,
1: um, I'm studying a degree, a home learning degree for the Open University at the moment, which is geared towards engineering. Okay. And that's where I want to do my sort of my interest line in maths and numbers based stuff. So that's. That's where I was going to do uni. That's what I'm doing now, and
0: possibly that's what I might do when I when I finish rugby. So, good stuff. Um, very briefly, before we get into our second song, let's let's talk about how um, the, the the potential move uh, and the you know, the option with, with Bedford Blues came about. When, when talk us through that, that period uh, with the Leicester Tigers, and, and then the subsequent sort of situation you found yourself in in, in with, with having to, um, to move. It, it was obviously
1: the, the academy system at Leicester is four years up to under 20s and then you move on to, um, to either get a senior contract or you're uh, you're not required as it were so it was an odd year for me because I made the England 20 squad we, we'd won the Six Nations although I'd only played in one game because I'd been pulled back to, to play for Leicester um, to, sort of, to work with the first team squad and then just before it was actually just before the Six Nations I'd gone into the, the meeting and, and sat down and said, look, this is what I'd like to know where I am next year and, and what I'm doing because I've got this, the, the England stuff has come up and I'm going to be away for six to eight weeks. And uh, sat down and unfortunately was told that don't think you're quite ready for top-level rugby yet so we're not going to be able to offer you a contract. Which was generally one of the hardest times I've, I've ever had in my life and definitely the hardest time I've ever had in a rugby sense because just grown up for sort of three years through an academy system and I genuinely thought I had a good chance, good chance of first team rugby there And
0: It must have been a bit of a rug from underneath your feet because you're, you're in, in some ways you're being told some really good things about your yep. rugby and then in in, in another sense you're that's, being told yeah, not.
1: that's what I found hard because of the situation I was in was technically considered one of the, the best in my position in the country because we were playing in that age group and then um, let's say you get this rug pulled out in, from under you that it's not going to happen for you at the club that you love and that you want to to play for so that was hard but I say you you get these situations where you have to then move on from that so I went to play played the Six Nations that first game against Wales and really enjoyed that and then obviously got brought back to play for Leicester which um, was great because technically playing first team rugby played in the premiership which is is something and um, yeah moved on from that came back from that then the World Cup starts and I'd been alone at Coventry that year. So that was an option, sort of leaving Leicester was possibly to go there. And then it was it was a bit of an odd time because playing regular rugby at Coventry was great for me. As any, any sort of dual registration person will tell you, playing rugby just can't compete with anything. So that was great, but it maybe wasn't the right sort of fit in terms of what they were looking at and what, what was going on uh, at the club at the time. So... I was kind of, it was getting on a bit, getting on a bit of the year and then just before I was going to the World Cup, I think actually Andy Key was still a coach at Leicester at the time. I've had a talk with Mike down here and, uh, yeah, we just kind of came from there that got in touch with Mike and, and and signed down here really, which was, it was odd because I'd never been here before and I'd never, there was guys like um, Ollie Dodge and, and Tom Youngs that'd all be coming down and playing their rugby here so they knew what was going on so I had a little chat with them and a little bit but, kind of just signed on faith really as it were and about the good things I heard and I still call it one of the best decisions I've ever made in my rugby life because of the way it's worked out um so it could have gone I think the, the options I had were, were Coventry and I think Rotherham might have an interest at the time but it was just a name floating around really and then Bedford came in so I snapped that off and it was all done and and signed and then I uh,
0: sort of just had to knuckle down and really work out so second song does it get any easier choosing these songs or more difficult? No, you start to think about things about...
1: Oh, I could say this one, but then somebody's going to give me a lot of stick for that one, <laughs> so... But so my, c- come on, what, what, what... My second song's a bit of an odd one. Again, it's it reminds me of a time, which actually is the Rugby World Cup we went to in South Wales in 2008. And um, I've got to thank Jordan Turner Hall for this down at Quinn's because he, he was kind of our resident DJ in the changing rooms, so he put this song on for the first few games and it kind of it focused me but it was kind of that song before a game that reminded me of that time so it's actually um, a song called Now We Are Free by is the, the Gladiator song remixed by Dave Pierce, which is a bit odd so kind of a little dance tune and I say that just reminds me of that time where as an England team we were the first team to get to a final of uh, Junior World Championships got smashed by New Zealand because they were just the elite at that time they were so much better but we did so well that year we played basically the Tri-Nations teams in six days we worked out and only just what we got smashed by New Zealand but we beat Australia and, and South Africa so we were quite happy with that but this song just reminds me of that's the one we listened to just before we went out and it gives me good memories from that point of view
0: To hearing from the Gladiator soundtrack <laughs> you, you talked about decisions and uh the difficulty and the, the, the subsequent sort of um uh feelings you felt when when Lester turned around to you and, and and said what they said my question perhaps is now you're older and looking back does that decision to you make any sense
1: yeah I think so because of the physical specimen as I say I was back then I was they considered me a second row and I just wasn't big enough for what they wanted and I don't think I was big enough for what anyone wanted. Um, technically, I signed for Bedford and I think I still am somewhere down as a second row for Bedford, but I have yet to play there as a position. I mean, I go in cover there when, when it's needed, like sin bins and that kind of thing. Thanks to the, toops of the weekend for that. <laughs> the way that the game's going now, your second rows need to be for start athletic and, and of ball carriers, but they need to be big guys. And I'm the first person to admit that Yeah, I'm not small, but I'm not that kind of size. And I can look back now and say, yeah, maybe I understand the decision they made and the way they were going. doesn't mean I have to agree with it because of where I think they could have taken me, but I
0: do understand the the decision they've made. So you signed for Bedford? Yes. You said on faith, and subsequently was a very good decision. Yeah, that's the decision I made. How quickly did you realise, oh, this is quite a good decision I've made?
1: Um... It was weird because I i say was away at this World Cup for the start. Well, it was through June. So Mikey very kind of gave me the first two weeks of pre season off, which is an odd feeling when you're starting a new club and you rock up two weeks in and everybody's already been training. But they all understood where I'd been and it was quite good. And um, I knew a few guys down here. Ollie Dodge had just signed as well. And um, so Billy Twelve Trees had come down. So I knew a few guys and so it was easy to slot in. Um, but I think the first, I knew it had gone well when. It was actually our pre-season camp to up to North Walsham. We went up there. and You hear talk of these pre-season camps where you go away and you just get beasted, and I don't think that works because people get under each other's skin. It doesn't help. So this season camp, we went up. We had a training session on the morning. We um, had then sort of activities in the afternoon at this sort of adventure place where sort of zip lines and climbing walls and and games and that kind of thing. And it was great because it was just it was nice weather. It was sunny, and everybody just got on and had a laugh together. We all bonded and it was the same year Mike had sort of changed a lot of the team so we needed that to bond together and then the um, the Sunday we played North Walsham won by I think it was 100 nil. and it's not the best preparation but it just got everybody with a feel-good factor and we came back and we had a few drinks on the bus on the way back and it just became it was, it was such an easy place to play and an easy place to be that it was just enjoyable so it started from there and then obviously we went to the season and First game of the season was, I, said, I can't remember who we played, but we were at home and we were winning. Same game, Billy scored four tries and slotted a touchline conversion with a drop goal. Which, yeah, big headed, not talking about that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was that. That's when I knew we were just playing rugby, and I knew I was going to enjoy it because of the way that that was that we were playing, the way we were training it was just it was good fun, and that's what rugby should be. I don't ever envision myself playing when it's not fun. So
0: I certainly remember that first year. I certainly remember <laughs> um, Mr. Twelve Trees ingratiating himself with a local lingerie department. Yes. Um, but it must have been very easy, as you say, to sort of grow to like the place. And were you aware also, you mentioned it just then, were you aware also of the kind of shift Mike Rare talks about it being one of the more difficult decisions he's had yeah. to make as a DOR? He yeah. cleared a lot of people who'd done a huge amount for the oh, club. absolutely, yeah. Were you aware of the, of the potential challenge as a team that you had that year to sort of, to sort of do what you wanted to do?
1: Um, I don't know if we were... We, we knew, obviously, because there was, I think, 17 new guys joined that year. We knew they'd been... We talk about it as a clear-out, really. And I've done Envy Mike with that job, where the guys he's got rid of, like Matt Allen and Hinko and, and those kind of guys where they've done so, as you say, they've done so much for the club and they've, they've been here so long. To ask them to leave, as it were, must have been very hard. But we came in and we were a young side back then. I'm still young now it seems but it was a time where we just came out and we were let to express ourselves and as young players that's the best thing you can do because we were allowed to, to do what we want and as we started well so then that snowballs the effect which, which helped I don't know about the expectation or the pressure to sort of vindicate the decision but we just wanted to do well as anybody does
0: I remember that season I remember one particular game in that season and you probably do as well it was a, the game against Doncaster at home mm-hmm. And all the talk before the game had been about how tough this game was going to be. They yeah. well, fancied their chances. And I think at halftime it was about 40 nil to yeah. us and we'd scored some incredible scores. Yep. It, it, was, um, it was a fine time to be a Blues player in a, in a funny sort of way. And yep. you must have realised personally, privately, you must have thought... Wow, if if there's ever a platform, if there's an opportunity in which to put yourself into the limelight, mm-hmm. this, this is a great team to do, to do it with. Oh, absolutely.
1: As everybody's talked about that for the last, sort of, this is my fifth year and for the four, last four years, everybody said Bedford's the greatest club to, to move up because we're regularly and have been at the top of the championship. And that's the best platform to then, to move on from that. Um, I remember that game, I think that was the first Ladies' Day hmm. because we had horrendous, massive shirts that were ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, that game was good because it was that sort of epitomised our season where we were we were running in trials from around own five metre line because oh we could we could clear this and kick it out. But let's have a go if it's on. Let's have a go. So um, you get the rewards from that. We were running in tries, and our idea is that we entertain people on a Saturday, and that game kind of showed that we can do that.
0: You've signed on um, a few times for Bedford Blues. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm guessing that every time you did that ever Blues wasn't your only option. Was was there any ever a difficult decision to make? Yes, um, yes. Okay.
1: Uh, my, I'll, I'll be honest. My, my, Mike. I've I've talked about this with everybody, and I talked about this with Mike over the off season that I still have my ambitions uh, to play at the highest level, um, which means I want to play in the Premiership, and obviously for my Celtic roots, as it were, and. The, the, the Magnus League or the, the Pro Direct League at the moment is, um, is somewhere where I could possibly go but I see the top level as the premiership at the moment and I just want to play I want to play in England I want to play at that level so that's where I aspire to every year and all I can do is try and play the best I can if that happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and then I've played a great level here so um, but I still I believe that that's where I, I can be um, it's where I want to be so I, and I believe I can get there so
0: third song
1: um, this one was a bit more difficult so the other two have got um background to them and stuff I remember so the third one I went onto my phone and went onto the top 25 most played list <laughs> which actually it works quite well it's just it's something a bit fun that I've listened to the last year and um it's well known that I didn't play a lot last year because of, of injuries and stuff like that which again was the hardest time in my in my life that as a rugby player you you just want to play rugby um I played I think it was 96 games, or 90, 92 games I think in three years for the club, and then the, the last of those games I blew my knee up uh, playing against Bristol in that final, and that was hard, and then I went to playing, from playing an average of 30 games a season, I went to play eight last year, which was, was tough. Um, so, in a way, this song doesn't remind me of that time and get me through it, but I had a good... In times, I had a good laugh last in the last year, and um, we had a great physio team, and people helping out that that came and and got me back to where I was. And unfortunately, there was other little bits that maybe knocked on from that that I couldn't play for the, the latter half of the season. Came back for the last game, but um, yeah. So this song is something unless somebody told me that once I overthink things too much. So I've got to stop sort of thinking about things and. And worrying too much, which is, is nice advice. I try and take that, but I'm always going to do it. So this song is just something that I can then, it's an easy choice for me. That it's something I listen to a lot. Obviously, it's been on my phone and on my, on my computer. So it's um, by a band called The Eels, and it's called Hey Man.
0: Do you know what it's like to fall on the floor? Cry your guts out till you got no more. Hey man, you're really living. Have you ever made love to a beautiful girl? Made you feel like it's not such a bad world? Hey, hey man.
1: Also, oh, I think it's from a movie. A lot of my the stuff that I listen to comes from movies because they play songs to make you feel emotions in a movie, with whatever that may be. And this was something from a point I think in uh, What Happens in Vegas, I think, is the film. Which it was just a bit, bit of a laugh, really, and it's, it's something that I enjoy listening to. It's a bit of fun and
0: uh, makes me smile. Really. So that's quite nice. Before we heard from the Eels, uh, you were talking about last season. I was going to get onto this as a subject because mm-hmm. almost it was a, it was a life experience in itself. It must have been it must have been difficult. I've spoken to you. We we did a few commentaries whilst you tried to keep yep, you occupied. Very good fun, actually. I really um, enjoyed that. A, a, um, I, you know, in the best way in the world. I don't want you up in the commentary box again, uh, Gregor. <laughs> I want you out on the pitch. <laughs> Thank but. You. Um, it, it must have been, and I suppose it's something that happens with every sportsman. Every sportsman in their own way, unless they're extremely lucky, has mm-hmm. to deal with a period of injury. How did you deal with it? Did you go through many different emotions? Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, um, first of all, I've talked to our consultant, physiotherapist Jones, and he's, he talks about they did an audit or something on, on rugby players, and they reckon you get a serious injury once every four years on average, so technically I got mine, um, as it were, and... I've talked about the time when I left Leicester it was one of the highest in my rugby career and I'm not ashamed to say that when I saw I got injured on the Saturday playing against Bristol I think it was I seen the surgeon on the Tuesday and driving back from Northampton I was upset in my car I was just thinking about it and the phrase he used that was that I might not play again next year because of the severity of what I'd done and that when I started thinking about that every time I thought about that on the drive home I really upset with that because it's what I want to do I want to play rugby so um, that was that was tough um, it was really tough but so they got back and we've got a great physio team here got a lot of good help last year in, in doing all that and came back started talking to Mayor and to Rudy and Jonesy and came apparent that maybe the surgeon was a bit conservative and the, he's not quite used to well he is he, he's a great surgeon and the guys he's done he, he knows about sport but they like to Maybe push the the time limits a bit more than just to be safe, which is I, I completely understand. But started talking to them, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll look at sort of six, seven months to get back," and which put me around Christmas time. Which actually was, I came back I think three weeks ahead of schedule, I played that Leicly game, and um, yeah, that, that was nice. So when I knew I was coming back, I was going to be able to play in the season. That that was a lot better. But I say that first, the first period when I first did it, and I realised what I'd done. Um, I remember sitting on the bed in the in the physio room at, at Bristol, and obviously come off the pitch and it hurt and it was just I had my up on my leg and didn't really know what was going on so just hurt my knee or something. Came back in, sat in the bed, and they they've got these tests to to, to see what the, the issue is with the ligament in, the, in your knee. And basically, all three physios and the doctor were doing this test and asking each other to do it because they just they were worried about what was happening. And that's when I suddenly mm-hmm. realised that this was serious. And you talk about about injuries and everybody knows what an ACL is in a rugby rugby environment and you know if you do that that that's six seven months out and a, a, the reason we had done that it was unfortunately was unfortunate that a year that Ben Lewis had done his Vassy had done his and we were all sort of three months apart so there was three of us with exactly the same injury um, we got our own board in the physio room for for rehab so uh, which and again but that that was one of the things that helped with that because there was there was three of us doing it and um We then could then work off each other. Me and Fassi were just working off each other, trying to get back as quick as possible. I'm running at this point, you were running at this point, and I was doing this, you were doing this, because we knew if we could work like that, that it was going to help us get back um, quicker and, and stronger. And that's the thing I've looked at from last year, that I played 30 games in a season, and for anybody, that's a lot of games. So... I didn't play for a long time and it gave me time to work in the gym. And our conditioner Jamie Bain, was great. He, he, we were in the gym and I was there sort of twice a day doing, doing my weights and I've definitely improved from there to get sort of stronger and, and fitter and I put on a little bit more size, which worked, was, I wouldn't say, a benefit of the injury, but as a consequence of it, it allowed me to do that. So I think I dropped a couple of um, inches off my waist so none of my clothes fitted anymore, so that was interesting. But that was it's a, yeah, it's the emotions that you go through of, of getting injured at any point, even if you're out for a couple of weeks, any rugby player will tell you it's the worst time to sit and watch everybody else train and, and play. Is, is a horrible feeling, but you get to work to get back at it. So,
0: and subsequently, the knock-on, I suppose, with this season is that there must be a, a greater focus. There must be a sharper focus yeah. for you to say, absolutely. I I have you know sort of yeah. To, I have to catch up in a way. In a little way,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I came back into preseason. Um, the first three weeks we did, we were playing games. I felt great because I was a little bit fresher than everybody else. Um, they'd played a the whole season and still had the time off, but I'd had that little bit of a break, a bit longer, so that was nice. But then, let's say coming into to this season, I think it would have focused me in this season anyway, and, and being here and, and whatever. But I had a lot of time to sit and think that year, and and I um, say like the boys are all playing and doing what I want to be doing, and. From that, I can then remember how that felt. So it then focused me into to really achieve what I want to and, and work towards the goals that I've already set myself that we've talked about. So,
0: two more questions on this away trip: Are you a book man or a DVD man on an away trip? Um, it depends what the DVD is. <laughs> <laughs> we have okay. Our uh, again, Brendan
1: usually one one the sorts of DVDs, and I oh, uh, hmm. oh no, some of them are quite good. We get we get a, a different mix, but I like stuff that. You can switch off to. I don't like an intense film on a on an away trip going to a game. My, something making me make you laugh. Um, I'm a bookman on a on a holiday where this is a bit of sun and, and by the pool. If you had to take something with you, do you would it, what would it be? For on a long away trip, yeah, it would be. I'd probably take a DVD because of you know, which one? Of, uh, something a bit of fun. Friends with Benefits is a good film, moment, but part of that's just because it's got Mila Kunis in it. So.
0: Yeah, I've uh, seen that film. <laughs> there are. It's, Extreme benefits to that film. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> and what about someone to sit next to on your away trip? I mean, and I open this up not just to the lovely the lovely <laughs> colleagues that you have here at Bedford Blues, but if you could fantastically sort of magic someone from history, would, was there anyone that you'd like to have a chat with, someone that you, 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 you'd like to spend some time with? I always talk about this. I would love to have a sit-down and chat with Sir um, Serrano Fiennes
1: just because I've seen some of the stuff he's done and the life he leads now and, and the expeditions and the, the things he does and I'd just love to chat to him about it because I think he's an incredible man especially say now the age he is and and the stuff he's been through and he still wants to push on and, and and complete more challenges and push himself and test himself and I'd love to chat to him about it Just I think he'd be one of the most interesting people he seems also that the, the few interviews I've seen with him he seems like he's so grounded he's down to earth and he just He's, he's honest. Um, I think that that's great. That he'd be a great person to, to have
0: next to you, just chat away. Really. And one final question for you, and I suppose it's the ultimate question: the future. This season, I suppose you would be wanting to play every single minute of every <laughs> single game, get involved as much as you possibly can. But what about Gregor Golanders in the future? Where does it where does it go? Well, so I, I have my dreams to play at the
1: highest level, um, and that starts with playing here on a Saturday afternoon where I've got to play to the best of my ability and if that then leads to that that's great but first of all I have to be the best I can be for Bedford and that'll first of all it will help us as a team or hopefully help us as a team perform to the best we can which then gets us to the the best position at the end of the season. We've set our goals this season and um, it's pretty known what we want to do that we want to go a little further than we did last year which everybody understands means we get to a final and um, we'll get to a couple of finals this year so if I can do that personally it then benefits the team which then again will come back and benefit me personally again from that so it's a big knock on effect that I just have to work hard um, to get the best performance I can for myself which then hopefully will lead to, to better things in the future
0: well, it's been a real treat talking to you, Gregor. Thank you very for much. your honesty. Uh, thank you for letting us delve in and, and joining us on this away trip and exposing us to some of your musical <laughs> treats. <Yes. laughs> uh, it's been a real joy. Best of luck for this season. Best luck for the future. And thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. <laughs>